The Dudes of Kung Fu podcast is brought to you by Wing Chun Illustrated Magazine. In celebration of their newly launched WCI newsstand platform, Wing Chun Illustrated is giving listeners of the Dudes of Kung Fu podcast a free one-month all-access subscription. Go to wcinewsstand.com and click the register button in the upper right corner. Use voucher code FREE4U. That's F-R-E-E, the number four, and the letter U, all caps. Don't forget to activate your account by clicking the link in the welcome message. The Dudes of Kung Fu love Wing Chun Illustrated Magazine. Dudes of Kung Fu. Please welcome your host, Alex Richter and Big Sean Madigan. Hey Alex, how are you brother? Do good, man. It's nice to uh, see you in the in the normal setup, uh, doing a, doing a regular podcast. Yes, yes, yes. It's uh, we're uh, all set up and ready to go, and it's been, it's been good. It's been going good. I think we have a we have a, a nice flow going these days. Yeah, and the the live podcast we did last week, uh, I was I was really overwhelmed by the uh, by the reaction we got. We had so many people on there, so many comments flying in. It was crazy. According to John, who was keeping track. We had 360 viewers. Yeah, which for us is huge. <laughs> right, exactly. Awesome. I mean, for us, on a live podcast, 360 people is, that's pretty damn good. I think, you know. Yeah, the the format was really cool because you could kind of interact live with everyone and kind of bounce off what people are saying. And uh, although, you know, it was our first time doing it. So, you know, I was like playing catch up because I, I had no idea we would be getting so many comments in like that. So I we start talking. We're doing our normal thing where like you talk for a while. I talk for a while. And it's like, oh, man, we just got 30 comments since you started right. talking. Right? And it's like so I, 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 I promise everyone that we will do uh, we will definitely do it. Uh, uh, a little bit better next time we will we will you know be more mindful about paying attention to the uh, comments as they come in although I think we did a pretty good job for our first time oh yeah and I, I think this is something that could be a uh, semi-regular thing we could do every once in a while and but it's definitely on the table I think people I think people really had a good time yeah and um, I think it fit uh, it fit us well we, we 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 did well with you know answering people's questions and stuff and we, we both enjoyed that I think that's yeah, definitely, definitely. So we'll see. I it mean, keeps maybe, it fresh. Maybe during these uh, quarantine times, we might do those uh, a little more often than normal because I think people appreciate kind of having that interaction with us, uh, you know, while right. everyone's kind of mm-hmm. cooped at home. Uh, but it is definitely nice to be back in our normal, uh, less uh, less stressful in terms of comments coming in environments. <laughs> exactly right. Exactly right. Yeah. Cool. So, I, uh, yeah, I'm still working from home, so I uh, apologize to the folks out there. For not being involved with some of the uh, stuff, and thank you, Alex, so much for picking up the slack and uh, doing other interviews that I, I can't be involved in. With me working from home, you would think I'd have more time. I have less time. Yeah. I have less time for other things. It's you know, it takes three times as long to do half the work, and I've been working ten and eleven hour days every day, so I just don't. I just don't have time. It's been really rough. Yeah, and, uh, for, some, that's... For, for some people, it's like, you know, you would think either working from home or or people being, you know, semi-employed at this time period that everyone has more time. But I feel like I feel like I'm more I'm busier than I am normally because, uh, you know, I have to do all these uh, lessons that I'm teaching through Zoom because not only do we teach the regular classes, 
I still have my regular private students. There's still all of my private students are still doing lessons with me over Zoom. Um, not right. a, not a single one of them decided not to do the lessons during this time. And on top of that, we also opened up my uh, private instruction to people outside of City Wing Chun. Now that I'm home, I have like a bunch of people from Europe who are doing lessons. And of course, because of the time difference, I have to do them at a certain time. And then I have right, all sure. these new students. So uh, I just feel like by the end of the day, like today, I, I've actually worked nonstop since the moment I woke up. And of course, the last thing I'm doing tonight is recording the podcast with you, which doesn't feel like work. But still, I've been on like literally the entire day. I'm sure you feel the same way. Yeah, right. I mean, you know, I'm I'm up relatively early and um, I'm logged into my job by seven o'clock in the morning. And, you know, I literally logged off an hour ago, an hour and a half ago, and ate dinner, and and I'm doing this, you know what I mean? And, and this is this is the nice, this is you know, one, one of the nicest parts of my day, you know? Yeah. I get to relax and talk talk martial arts and and, uh, and and relax is the key word here, just relax and bullshit with you. And, yeah, absolutely. And, and, and to the folks at home, you know? It's, uh... Yeah, so what I've been doing since Sean has been uh, so overwhelmed with work is I've been doing this series uh, which are basically uh, kind of like regular episodes of the dudes these days. Is it called Quarantine Conversations? The uh, the that name was uh, John thought up that name, which I thought was great yeah. <laughs> yeah, <right. laughs> because we're doing them over Zoom, so the the audio quality is not necessarily the same as our regular episodes uh, because the, you know the Zoom is, is isn't always clean in terms of the audio, um, but it definitely has that feel. I think everyone is used to it. People are using Zoom for social events. They're using Zoom for work. Sure, so I sure. Think, I think using zoom as a platform for having conversations during this time also feels familiar for the people who are who are watching them so i did um i did uh dr kenneth j really good friend of mine um he is a the one of the coaches for ufc fighter nicholas dalby and he's actually responsible for like the cardio and conditioning and he's also one of my mentors the dude looks like thor he's like six foot four i always look like a small child next to him and he uh he's the one who taught me all about cardiovascular training and strength training and how to use the concept two rower so we had an amazing conversation about uh cardiovascular training but it's not like a a technical conversation it's like so people really understand when you hit a heavy bag really hard for multiple rounds that is actually not cardio that is muscular endurance training cardio training actually needs to create an adaptation in your heart which means the cadence needs to be much higher so we talk about stuff like that i also have him talk about um how he prepares nicholas dalby for fights and it the the cardio and we talked a little bit about it on the live podcast the cardio that a ufc fighter needs to have to fight three rounds for five minutes is insane when you hear kenneth talk about the routines he makes him do if you even tried it uh i think you would just literally hack out your lung doing one round of this so um really incredible so uh for those of you who are patreon supporters you get the episode obviously a few days early and that one will be out for everyone else i also did an episode with uh sifu jim rosalando our good friend making him on the podcast for the fourth time uh wow. the, I, I think no sorry the uh, third time sorry the third time the third? only the, the third time yes the only three-time guest on the podcast and uh, and of course we did uh, uh, Sifu uh, David Peterson as well. We talk about kung fu recommendations. He tells some really sweet stories about his Sifu. So uh, those will all be coming down the pipe uh, for you guys as well. So super excited about that. So uh, yeah, 
yeah, so lots of exciting stuff given the circumstances. So, uh, uh, Sean, is there anyone you want me to talk to in this quarantine conversations? Or am I putting you on the spot here? Who sh- is there anyone we haven't talked to or should we bring some other people back? What do you think? Oh, there, there, there's definitely people that I think we should talk to. But I think that's something, a conversation we should have, you know, afterwards. No, no, um, I, want, I want you to say it right now. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I love putting you on the spot because, uh, of course, our audience just listens to the audio version of this. But uh, if you could see him on video right now, I just love to see him squirm for whatever reason. Sure. Go ahead and say who you want. <laughs> and then, you know, oh, yeah, we're going to get an angry there is, call. That's the whole thing. It's like it's, you know, it was like like I was on, you know, I was on a podcast recently and um, and I meant and it, the gentleman asked me. Oh, can you recommend some people who I should be speaking to? And I just, you know, threw some names off the top of my head, like people that I thought you should talk that they should talk to. And I had literally a friend of mine for years who I didn't mention his name and he unfriended me on Facebook because <laughs> I didn't recommend him. That is funny. Yeah, so it's just it's just bizarre. You know, so like I get so like um I don't want to say the word sensitive. I I get so like unsure when it comes to like listing people's names because I don't want to leave people out and stuff right, and right, right. and upset people. I, I couldn't believe this dude unfriended me. And I I, I, I said to a third friend of ours, I'm like, what what did I do to piss this guy off? And and he told me, oh, when you were on that podcast and you didn't say his name and I was like, wow, that's 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 some serious ego, man. Wow, that's totally crazy. That's totally crazy. Um, anyway, I also wanted to give a big thank you to our Patreon supporters. Uh, Sean and I have been putting a lot of content on there, which only goes for our Patreon supporters. And uh, so you've been doing the JKD Blueprint series. I did a Wing Chun Blueprint series. also did a historical one and the Grandmaster Yip Man interview translation. So... Um, <coughs> Uh, what's crazy is after uh, like in the last couple of weeks is just the number of supporters we've been getting uh, you know it's def- definitely been a lot faster than in the past and definitely want to thank everyone for supporting us on Patreon we promise to keep bringing out new content I got even have a few that have already been recorded which aren't out yet and I'll keep making some more while I'm here in quarantine so and of course if you guys have suggestions on the types of things you want uh, either Sean or I to talk about please uh, shoot us a message at uh, Dudes of Kung Fu on Facebook or also on the Instagram page for Dudes of Kung Fu. So Absolutely. Yeah. Awesome, awesome. Yeah, so anyway, big shout-out to our Patreon supporters. And, uh, yeah, oh, by the way, I just want to say real quick, the uh, latest episode of Wing Chun, not episode, the latest edition of Wing Chun Illustrated <coughs> came out. And uh, my uh, one of my Sihengs uh, is on the cover, Sifu Thomas Schroen. He's one of the top uh, masters of the EWTO. He's actually um, one of like the top three or four guys in the European Wing Chun organization. And he was one of the guys who taught me when I was training at the castle full time. And now he's on the cover of Wing Chun <laughs> Illustrated. The uh, cover interview, I actually did it with him, which was super cool to uh, chat with him for the first time in almost 18 years. And um, I also have my column uh, this in this issue, which I talk about uh, being a good training partner. And I actually talk about the five different types of training partners that are, they are out there so that maybe people can take a look at, you know, what type of partner they might be and what type of partner they want to avoid being. So uh, I think those are uh, it's probably one of my uh, 
favorite articles I've written because I think it's really helpful for people who train in martial arts. So uh, if you guys are um, supporters of Wing Chun Illustrated, go ahead and check out that latest uh, issue. And if you're not, uh, go ahead and support our friends at Wing Chun Illustrated and uh, take a look at those two articles that came out in this issue. I think you guys will like it. So That sounds interesting, actually. I like that idea of the, the, the breaking down the different types of training partners because people sometimes, you know, you don't, don't realize like um, we all fall into habits and patterns in our training and you, you, you become this type of partner without intentionally meaning to be that. Right. And, um, you know, sometimes when you, when, you, when you read a list of like, oh, here's the people in the gym you see every day, you know, you see these five types of people in the gym and you don't realize, you say, oh shit, I'm number three. I didn't realize that was a thing, you know? Right, right, right. Yeah, and, you realize um, in those moments that uh, you're not as exceptional as you think you are when you suddenly fit right, into a exactly. category. <laughs> exactly right, you know. Yeah, actually, and, the article uh, the article came out of one of my because uh, we have a very robust instructor training program. I, I I place a lot of emphasis on making sure that the people who teach in my school have the right attitude. They ha- they know uh, teaching methods. They have like. You know, like, for example, you have different types of learners. They need to know about that. And one of the things is this article that uh, is what kind of training partner are you? And uh, so I basically I, I rewrote it for Wing Chun Illustrated magazine. But, um, you know, we all want to have a training partner that helps push us a little bit, you know, and, and but we need to do it progressively. And we need a training partner that's going to help us become more skillful. And we, we in turn do the same for them. But most training partners are not really like that. They're usually uh, tr- what I call them training frenemies. All right. They're like they're in the class with you and like they'll feed you what you need for the exercise. But they're also sometimes trying to make you look bad and they're not doing it with the sake of increasing uh, resistance. They're doing it just for the sake of, you know, being a dick or whatever. Right. So right, I, just, right, I, just right. Wanted, I just wanted to call out that behavior that it's very self-defeating in terms of becoming a, a, a high level martial arts mm-hmm. athlete when you're constantly viewing everyone in your school as a frenemy. Right. So. Uh, so anyway, yeah. So you check that out. So anyway, uh, so we had a topic tonight, right, Sean? Yes. Um and, you know, so someone asked me about rooting in the martial arts. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm going to sound like an idiot by spelling it, like I did to Alex a couple minutes ago, because the, with my accent, people think I'm saying something else. So it's R-O-O-T-I-N-G, rooting, and not R-O-U-T-I-N-G, which has a different meaning in routing. Jeet Kune Do. <laughs> right, okay. well, believe it or not, in Jeet Kune Do, Bruce Lee referred to he had five roots uh-huh. and originally when he was telling Steve Golden that he had he had he had five roots to his opponent people took it as there was five roots to his system uh-huh. Wing Chun boxing and he was talking about routes he was talking about ways of attack mm. met, you know met ways to get to the opponent he had five and because that's how many you needed, but he, you know, he said the word root and people looked at it as R-O-O-T-I-N-G when he was saying routing, as we would say routing, R-O-U-T-I-N-G, you know? So that's why I want to be very specific. And speaking of routing, R-O-O-T-I-N-G, someone asked me um, about routing in, in, in Jeet Kune Do as I know it and how do I train it and when do I use it and things to that effect. 
and I said that I have what may be a very unpopular opinion and that I believe that's all bullshit. Mm -hmm. And and he was not happy with that answer. Right. But um and I and I shouldn't say it's all bullshit. I should say most of what I experienced I didn't consider to be effective for fighting. So that while the while the phenomenon may exist, I'm not going to debate whether rooting exists or not. Mm-hmm. I'm going to debate I don't see its effectiveness in fighting in the way it was presented to me. So I I tend to be of the belief when you want to generate power in punching and in movement, we we have to be more aware and I'm only speaking in reference to Jeet Kune Do in the way I do Jeet Kune Do, okay? I'm not speaking for all of JKD or anything like that. When it comes to generating power in movement and power in striking, we're much, much more served by being aware of body sway, weight, momentum, and shifting of weight. That when, when, when the body when you become aware of the natural swaying of the body when moving from technique to technique and you can kind of go with the flow, you're better served with that than you are with some mysterious route. You're better served with having your strike land moments before, a millisecond before, your, your front foot lands in that the weight of your body is going into your opponent rather than into the floor. You know, so like how, how it was shown to me years ago and, and, I, and I, I love it. If you kind of like stand up against, a, stand in a fighting stance in front of a wall and place your fist on the wall and press as hard as you can into that wall with your two feet on the ground and press as hard as you can with an extended arm into the wall, you'll feel like how hard you can press into that wall. Now, lift your front leg and you'll feel all the weight posted on that front arm and rear leg. And that leads to more mass into the, into the power of the strike. And, you know, mass time acceleration must mean something. Right. So when you have more of that weight going into that front hand, it, it, it has an impact, joke intended, on your opponent. And, like, you know, like I think it's one of the tricks to these, you know, like inch punches and things to that effect. This idea of shifting of your weight and having the the weight be generated into the front hand rather than going into the floor. Mm-hmm. Now, I, I get it that people like like to stand on the head of a pin and you can't push them over and all that other things and that's all cool, cool little polo tricks. But when it comes to fighting, real fighting, like I want to hurt this motherfucker before, he, before this motherfucker hurts me, you need to understand about weight distribution, balance, you know, body sway, and, and, and being able to understand the, sh- the timing of the self-timing of strikes in relation to the hand hitting and, and the body weight landing to the ground. 
that's much better served than some mystical root. Right, right. Yeah, well, I couldn't, I couldn't agree with you more. And I'm the kung fu guy, right? And I always feel like, uh, I always feel like the the bad kid in the leather jacket in the back of the bus of the kung fu bus because I'm the guy that's like, yeah, I'm not really into the rooting stuff. I'm not really into your kind of flying chi palm nonsense. I'm, I'm a lot more right. pragmatic and and a lot more practical. I remember that uh, that whole thing that you explained about putting the fist on the wall and then lifting the leg. You actually explained that at my school when you came that one time. You showed it to Ethan on the fifth floor. I remember when you did. Oh, that really? Day. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, no, I, I 100% agree with you. So rooting is really popular these days because a lot of Wing Chun people seem to really enjoy borrowing some ideas from Tai Chi because I think part of the problem is this. Um, when you stand, at least in Wing Chun, when you stand in a frontal stance or a parallel stance, you know, like a, whatever version of the Wing Chun stance you stand in, there's this kind of idea that, yeah, if somebody just kind of rushes in, I'm kind of standing here and how am I going to, you know, stop myself from getting knocked over, even though that's not necessarily what that Chi Sao protocol is designed to, to train you for. Uh, we have other things, sparring and so on. So what do people do? They decide to go into some kind of offset two-track stance. They, they want to borrow some ideas from Tai Chi. And then when you push on their arms, they spiral this energy into the ground. And then, uh, surprise, surprise, you cannot push them over, right? And so uh, it seems that lately people really, um, pardon pardon my reference, but people, people really get off on this kind of stuff. And it's like uh, you're in the class and it's like, okay, put your hands on my forearm and now push me and then they push and push and push ah see you cannot move uh, you can't move me right and then they'll do it from different stances and they'll show how they can essentially root their opponents push into the floor now on the surface this is probably a pretty normal and positive thing right we want to be able to stand in a stable manner right so like i'm not trying i'm not like some anti-stable standing kind of guy right i'm not a flat earther of stances here okay um however <laughs> the problem is this uh it's very easy to really get caught in the weeds and start to get really technical about answers to questions no one is asking so when we are in a street fight or in a self-defense situation, real fights happen so fast and so chaotically, you're going to quickly realize that if you're not able to knock down or knock out your opponent right away, you're going to need to be able to move to avoid them beating the snot out of you. And I think that it is a very dangerous thing to say, okay, you know what the problem with Wing Chun is? It's not static enough. We need to really stand here in this stance and not move at all and let somebody push us. And hell, let's get five other people to go behind. And, you know, that whole parlor trick where five people yeah. push the guy before, which is actually I, I can teach that trick. In by the way, if you guys ever want to know how to stand on one leg while five people try to push you over and they can't knock you over, I can teach you that in 10 minutes. No Tai Chi or internal Wing Chun necessary. Um, it's literally a parlor trick about um, how, how you direct the force. And once you know it, you'll never be impressed with one of those demonstrations ever again because you will see they all do the same trick, but they'll tell you that it's something else that's going on. So anyway, um, the, the problem is that you say, okay, let's say I stand in this stance and, and someone pushes me, right? And then I can withstand them, right? But now... Sean, who, who has a little bit of size on me, I say, all right, Sean, I'm going to put my forearm here and I want you to push me and I try the same thing. 
it might not work because there's something called physics. Now, of course, uh, the moment I say this, people say, yeah, but my Tai Chi Sifu is three foot eight. And one time a guy named who was six foot four pushed him and couldn't push. Yeah, of course. When you're doing a controlled experiment, when I stand in the stance I want, I put my hand in the position and I tell you, my quote unquote opponent, where to put your arm on me and to try to push me. Right. Yeah, of exactly course. Right. I, I'm, I'm setting up the experiment. This is called what we say in New York. This is pissing on my leg, but telling me that it's raining. Right. Raining, this, right. Is, this is not really what's going on. Right. And and my issue is this. And uh, I, I, I really kind of with Sean on this, even though I'm the Kung Fu guy, so to speak. Um, when you're fighting and someone is pushing you or pulling you, especially if they are much stronger than you, it is a lot more important that your footwork can adapt to someone who is overwhelming you by pushing and overwhelming you by pulling rather than making a virtue of I'm standing on this three foot square and you cannot move me because there is someone out there who can move anybody. And he, classic example, you've done jujitsu, right? Right, Sean? Absolutely. Yeah. And one of the things they teach you in a very early jujitsu lesson is how to stand firmly in a base, right? So that, you know, if you get right. push and pull, you kind of have some kind of stability. All right, that's good. But then when you start practicing and someone, some grappler gets his grimy mitts on the back of your neck and holds onto <laughs> your arm and pulls you, you're not going to be able to stand in that one place the moment they start cranking on your neck. You're going to have to move with them as they pull you forward. As they drive in to you you're gonna have to move back as they push you to the side you're gonna have to go with it especially if the person is bigger than you watch any grappling match and look at two high-level grapplers in the same weight class clinching with each other and see how it's constant back and forth both of them are stable moment to moment but none of them are trying to stand in the same place and not move. And that's the mistake a lot of the new AG Kung Fu rooting people do. Go ahead and try. Go ahead and take all your rooting and go to a BJJ school and grab a halfway decent purple belt and clinch with them and tell me how you don't move from point to point. It only works in class because they do it in their own special way. I mean, that's always my my observation. I would rather move and be mobile than think I'm going to stand in front of an oncoming bullet train. Right, and like it's it's this way, and again, I know I'm always blowing the horn of uh, sport athletic, com sport combat athletics, but that's why I I have so much respect for a wrestler's pummel drill. Um, for those who don't know that much about wrestling, I'm talking about collegiate wrestling. Look up on YouTube pummeling drills, and a pummel drill and and wrestling hand fighting is almost like you, to put it in kung fu terms, it could almost be looked at as an extension of chi sao. Yes. It, it, you know, and but it would be almost like chi sao with the whole body, and 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 it's a wrestler's hand fighting and wrestler's pummel drill will teach you how to deal with exactly what Alex is talking about when when some guy get his gets his hand around your arm his arm wrapped around your arm and his other hand behind your neck and he's going to move you into that wall or he's going to snap you down to the floor or he's going to push you into a car 
or he's going to do something. We're talking about real-world application here. This is not stuff for the mat. It's trained for the mat, but it's it's for it's fighting, folks. And it is absolutely, in my opinion, one of the an absolute almost I want to say the word vital drill when it comes to updating your kung fu. You know, and I really strongly suggest you look at some pummeling and and it, it can definitely I know like when I, I you know I pummeled through high school. I you know I wrestled in high school and I did tons of pummeling work and hand fighting. And it was so funny because after 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 high school I never looked at it again. And I did all this kung fu and shikundo and all that never looked at it again. And then when I met Matt Thornton and he came here with his guys and they were like, oh, here, and, I, and we you know, ran into situations that I wasn't prepared for. And he said, oh, here, well, let me introduce you to something called pummeling. I'm like, oh, I know pummel. I wrestled all through school. And he's like, wait, you know how to pummel? And you're doing chisau? He's like, and he was like, show me your pummeling. So, you know, I showed him what I knew and he made some corrections. And it really like, you know, when you like relearn something you already knew. And now that I had this, Kung Fu base to a, to adapt to my pummeling and hand fighting. It really kind of felt like it brought everything full circle. It was like, you know, the wrestling helped my Kung Fu. The Kung Fu kind of helped my wrestling. Yeah. It was, it really brought everything full circle for me. And, um, and, and, and it was through it's, and it's through that. I don't know what the right word is, but it's through that, that way of looking at things that I look at things like rooting and, and and martial arts footwork and things that are fact that you have to understand momentum and sway and 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 power and 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 and, and weight distribution and balance and um, these are real world things that can be used in a fight rather than standing on one leg while five guys stack up to push and and while that while that's a cool trick and one day Alex is going to teach me how to do it sure like while while it's a cool trick and I I, I kind of like I think it's cool to know these tricks I'm not saying it's not and I, and it's a real thing I just don't understand how that's something that's beneficial to fighting sure I'm sure like you know a person can sit here and come up with a reason to do it but I kind of feel like if you if you stacked up 10 of the best fighters right now none of them are concentrating on that drill of standing on one leg so when, when guys whose living depends on them having being effective fighters boil down to what they're doing you kind of have to look at what they're doing and kind of hold it on a little bit of a pedestal and say, well, that may not be the end all, be all of everything. That is kind of like a filter to, to look at what you're doing with, you know? And, and, and like, I love Chisau. I think Chisau is awesome. There's a lot to learn from Chisau. I think if we look at pummeling and, and, and hand fighting as an extension to our Chisau, it just further develops the body and the body's ability to deal with any situation you're going to fall into 
w- with Chi Sao. You know, it's, we don't, you don't have to exclude Chi Sao. I'm not saying, oh, Chi Sao's out, only do pummeling. I'm saying do pummeling and do hand fighting and seeing, oh, well, how can these lessons apply to my Chi Sao and to my fighting? And, and I, think, I think for those of you that actually give it the shot to go to YouTube and, and, and put in, you know, wrestling is pummeling or wrestling hand fighting, give it a shot. And, you know, I trust you. Trust me, you're going to be happy. You're going to say, wow, you know what? Maybe there was something to this. And for those who look, that, that look at it and say, nah, this is bullshit, that's fine. At least you gave it a shot. You can say, all right, I looked at it. Big Sean was wrong. That's fine. I'm okay with that. You're allowed to be wrong. <laughs> yeah, yeah I, I think you're absolutely right because part of the problem is no matter what martial art you do, uh, especially if you do it conscientiously and you do it with a um, with a seriousness, you're always going to question whether the way you're doing it is correct, whether you have a complete view of it, whether you could be better if you knew other stuff. I think that if you don't have those questions of doubt in your mind, I think that you're, you're not looking deep enough, right? So it, it's pretty understandable why someone might be practicing chi sao and then uh, maybe they practice with someone who's maybe not as refined. Maybe this person doesn't have a lot of techniques, but this person kind of lumbers in and pushes them back. And then they feel like, oh, their stance is kind of falling backwards or they're deteriorating. Right. And then, of course, somebody says, ah, the problem is your stance is not rooted to the floor. That is why you're so easily pushed away. I All usually right. I usually diagnose that completely differently, especially when someone is getting pushed and driven back. Usually the narrative usually is the person who's getting pushed and driven back is not as strong as the other person, okay? And that is independent of skill. So my diagnosis is not, okay, well, this bigger and stronger person is trying to push you. Now you need to bend your knees and sink your quad and, and take a big breath in and imagine that you're spiraling the energy into the ground because essentially I'm using a bunch of fancy terminology to tell that smaller person when a bigger bullet train comes at you, just stand in front of it and root your stance. And this is right. not intelligent fighting. I don't care uh, if your Tai Chi master can withstand the force of a push from someone eight times his size. We're talking about fighting, which your p- opponent can punch you and kick you and throw you to the ground and headbutt you and do all these things. And they're going, no, no, no. But when I try to push his body, I can't knock him over. Okay, then what if he's not? Pu- what if your opponent's not pushing you? What if they're not pushing your arm? What if the fight is completely different? What if your opponent doesn't even engage and want to touch your arms? What are you going to do then, right? So they realize they invest so much time in, in answering a problem that they may not actually ever happen in the street. They're going to have in the street, they're going to have other problems and they're not prepared for them. So when, when someone is getting pushed over easily, I usually diagnose it as well. You might be using too much stiff power. If your arms are too stiff and someone pushes you, you fall back. Your arms might need to be a little bit more pliable. If that's not good enough, you need to turn and shift. You need to take a sidestep. You move to need to move when this gorilla is coming at you and not just stand in front of them and try to hold them off. But this idea that the solution to getting knocked back is, oh, the Wing Chun stance is no good. You need a Tai Chi stance. And look, this is not anything bad about Tai Chi. Tai Chi is a great martial art. My problem is when people misdiagnose 
those things that they don't understand in Wing Chun and bolt on a part from another car that doesn't fit. All right. And you need to the thing needs to fit. Wing Chun is a flexible system. It's not a system that's meant to turn its exponents into people with their feet nailed onto the ground while an aggressive opponent seeks to take their head off. This is this is absolutely not the paradigm I uh, would like anybody to practice in because if you look at grapplers even within the same weight class they're going to move back and move forward and move to the side while someone is grabbing them really strongly and if you look at grapplers who are fighting in open weight divisions when they fight someone much heavier they sure as hell are going to be moving from side to side when they get grabbed so it's kind of my um yeah, yeah, not not to kind of tread over the same thing here, but like I don't know, my idea is this. When people run into a limitation, they think I need I need something else to make it better instead of maybe thinking uh maybe they need to change the way they're thinking and not just add another martial art to fix it. Um my thing was always if there's a problem with my Wing Chun, um I want to diagnose it by comparing the methods to grappling and boxing and not by saying I'm going to go back 300 years because that and those old arts might be really fantastic. And this is not to downplay people who enjoy those things. But I think that some martial artists want to say, oh, there's this even more traditional ancient Wing Chun that has a stance that can't move and has all this secret whipping power, blah, blah, blah. And now if I know that, I'll be able to solve all the issues. I like to I like my Wing Chun, but I like my Wing Chun fortified with modern concepts and training methods, not not stories about people who no video footage of them exists so that's kind of how i look at it i think we need to look towards yeah like we talked about two episodes ago modern combat athletics to improve the way we do these martial arts and not look towards old ancient stuff which just tell us we have to practice this way and not that way and now you can do everything but they're telling you how to practice and it's not open it's not free it's not real right and and like when you look at when i talk about combat modern combat athletics like wrestling, helping your wing john. It's, I'm talking about training methodologies and, and not adding, I'm not saying you have to go out there and become a wrestler. Right. I'm saying looking at a modern training methodology like pummel drills <clears throat> will give you, will make your wing chun better. You'll deal with, you. it'll open up your mind and your body's ability to deal with pressure in completely different ways you know if you're looking for a ring a, a wing chun solution to every problem stop thinking of a wing chun solution in that i need to find an exact replica of what i'm doing in the form and instead of think of the wing chun solution of simplicity as okay, so maybe doing this drill that is although not from the Wing Chun system, it's a modern combat athletic drill, will teach your body the most simple way of dealing, simple realistic way of dealing with this incoming force. And 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 that there will you'll give your your Wing Chun a fighting chance, a much more realistic fighting chance than if you said okay. Uh, this kung fu system that's 600 years old has this method of standing with my feet in cement and you know no one can push this guy over no i want to learn how to move 
I want to learn how to deal with weight, pressure, momentum. I want to. I want to learn. I want to learn the best ways of dealing with that. You know. Um, and and, the, and from what I've experienced, wrestlers, because it's it's a a dynamic modern sport, are dealing with that every day in in in, in effective, efficient manners. And that it just runs such it runs parallel with Wing Chun. Runs parallel with JKD. This idea of efficiency, this you know, effectiveness, simplicity. Wrestlers have that in them. And 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 it just will help your wing chun so much, at least in, in my opinion. It's, it it doesn't take away from your wing chun at all. It's only going to enhance your wing chun. Yeah, I think that you know because you know wing chun people, for example, they generally tend to be more traditional. I mean, they're doing a traditional martial art. They tend to want to find their solutions if they're going to have to stray outside of their wing chun box or maybe the the specific you know, style that they do, they like to only stray with other Chinese Kung Fu styles. It's like, oh, my stance work is no good in Wing Chun, so I need to, to borrow this kind of uh, rooting stuff from Tai Chi, or my uh, my kicks are no good, so I'm going to have to, you know, borrow some kicking techniques from another martial arts style rather than... And I often find that people who do this tend to be sometimes a little less serious because it's like... Anyone who is a badass at anything they do is really a badass because they're very good at what they do. And they're not a badass because they do 20 different things and compiled them together. Now, there are, of course, exceptions or mixed martial artists, um, you know, and, and also combat athletes oftentimes have to blend um, maybe some of the knowledge of a few different martial arts. But they still have to blend it into a workable format, um, meaning that it almost becomes something highly specialized for their skill set. But, you know, Wing Chun people are going like, okay, uh, uh, rather than going, well, maybe to improve my ability to stand on my feet when someone is grabbing and pushing me, uh, you know, I I'm thinking, yeah, go go to the wrestling gym or just even go to a good jujitsu school and learn some of the stand-up stuff, even if you don't want to do the ground fighting. Just learn some of the throws they do in jujitsu. Learn some of the clinch work. Learn some of the, some of the takedowns and just practice that. And even if you don't integrate any of those ideas into your Wing Chun, the the experience you have having done it is going to temper the way you present your Wing Chun when you teach it and also going to change the way that you practice it. But they don't want to do that. It's almost like that is uh, that's going, you know, there's a lot of negative associations with MMA and jujitsu because I think people who do martial arts, they, uh, they especially traditional martial arts, they have an idea of um, what a martial artist should look like, you know, and it's usually very cut from this traditional mold of from films and things like that. And they look at like some jujitsu guy with a chewed up ear and they think this guy cannot possibly be wise. This doesn't look like a wizened old Sifu. Uh, and, yeah, and shove so him. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Uh, when, <laughs> like you said, th through things like the pummeling drill, um, you know, I, I find that grapplers have a very in intuitive type of 
body cheese out in a way that even some high-level experts that I've touched hands with still don't seem to understand. They're very stiff bodies, and they, 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 they haven't integrated it as a kind of a way that you move with your body. They're just like, oh, they're just doing the arms, and they're just doing hand drills. And it's like, well, if you didn't transfer the lessons of cheese out into your entire body, and you really just think it's something for your forearm, I think you missed a memo. Um, and so uh, you don't have to tell a grappler that. They know it already. Uh, they know it intuitively, having never heard the terms chi sao or bong sao or lap sao. You see how they move and keep their elbows in and stick, and they're waiting for little changes in the balance to go to the other side. And these are things that ultimately are also the aims of a good Wing Chun practitioner. So I think that even just the experience of doing it will will help people. But instead, they want to go no. They want to find some guy with a, a silk, you know, pajama kung fu uniform who's gonna, you know, say all lots of fancy Chinese terminology and. Look, I'm the guy who loves Chinese terminology. I'm the geek. I love talking kung fu stuff, and even I go, yeah. But if you're in, if you're interested in improving as a fighter, then you need to hang out with fighters and not with people who are just gonna throw more dogma, more style. Learn this form, learn this method, do this, do that, and and you know then your chi sao is gonna be whatever. It's like we'll just put on some boxing gloves, spend just take a couple, get a good boxing coach, take a couple lessons, do a couple little light sparring sessions, feel what that's like, do a couple little wrestling. You don't have to go all in and become like fully invested. You just need the experience and it'll change you. And I think that's where Wing Chun people should be pooling their uh, improvements for how they stand and how they move and not looking to these ancient untested things that quite frankly you never saw a street fight one because of rooting you never saw an mma fight one because of rooting so it's a cool trick you stand there and you know it's not just about standing on one leg obviously you stand on two legs but it's 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 a whole lot of solutions to it's a whole lot of answers to questions that quite frankly no one on the street is that gonna ask you alex in the beginning of chamkyo yeah just because you know my chinese sucks right so, so where i open up yeah when you open up so i have my arms extended mm-hmm. and i'm gonna say you you then you bring them back and into a like what i would say a turning double lansau for lack yes. of a better yes okay if you want to talk about wrestling and wrestling's the ability of wrestling to impact your wing chun look at Folks, look at that small section of chump kill where you're at, right there in the beginning where your arms are extended and you're bringing them back and turning into like double lansau. If you had somebody pushing on your arms or and you were learning to kind of diffuse their weight with that turn, maybe with a step involved, anything that that's that's the kind of skill that pummeling can help you develop. That I'm not saying that's the reason for doing that section in jump cue, but if your if your 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 goal is to find a something in the forms to say that this is okay, well, there's that part in jump cue where you turn to the double lanzas, and to me, I've always thought of that as diffusing energy coming right into me that you know some i'm having pressure into my core and that idea of just shifting to get me to the outside of that of that energy coming straight into my core and when i first started re- reincorporating pummeling 
into my Kung Fu, that's where it fell in line for me. In that little part, like, it's like, like I, I, the first time, like I was doing some sort of like a pummeling drill. And at one point I kind of like stepped off to my right and shifted my hips. And the guy kind of fell forward. And I was like, wow, that, that felt familiar. And it felt like the opening to Chumq. And it was like, it almost in my head gave me permission to do it. I don't know the right word. Mm-hmm. It was like, oh, maybe this is okay for me to be doing this. Because at the time, I was very much, I want to learn Wing Chun. I don't want to learn anything else but Wing Chun. Because I was coming from a JKD experience where it was like, you were open to adding anything kind of thing. Right. And I, I had this mindset of, no, I want to do Wing Chun. I want to learn Wing Chun fully. Like, I, I don't want to learn anything else but Wing Chun. And so then when I started reincorporating, like, pummeling for another thing I was doing, and and I kind of felt that, and it felt familiar. And immediately what it felt to me was the opening to Chump And I was like, wow, it's kind of the same, but a little bit different. Right. You know, it was like, so what I learned from this pummeling drill was almost exactly like this opening for Chump and it kind of gave me permission to let it cross over. Right. And if, and if you and if you're looking for permission, look at it that way. You know, you're not going to probably make a, as a uh, a conscious decision. Oh, I'm looking for permission. But sometimes things don't feel right until they do. So, you know, I'm not. And, and again, folks, I'm not speaking as a Wing Chun person when I say that. I know Wing Chun people are probably rolling their eyes now and say, what you're describing, Sean, has nothing to do with how they do Chomp Okay, that's fine. I'm just saying, if you look at the the body movement, it could be related that way. It could be related to as a defusing of energy. And now, to me, that's almost what that part of the Chomp almost exclusively rate is, is defusing of energy. You know, right. people coming into me and it's turning, you know, and it's gotten to the point where it's almost like it doesn't have to be contact at this point. I, I sometimes I feel like like I'll, I'll go to a guy and then when I get a reaction, I step and turn and just come out at a different angle. And it, just from that section of jump cue and pummeling. Right. You know, and anyway, so that's that's where I took it and that's where it took me. And I really think that's helped me develop this idea of while rooting may be real in that it's a real thing, I don't think it has any part in Kung Fu or in combat. If you want to learn it because it's part of your system and you respect it, hey, go right ahead. Do what makes you happy. Always do what makes you smile. You know, that's, you know, love your third place in life. You know, like if if party if the place you love to go loves to do that and you want to do it, go right ahead. I'm just saying when it comes down to serious fighting where you're gonna punch some guy in the face before he punches you in the face, you're probably more apt to get a skill that's usable in doing a wrestler's pummel drill and hand fighting than you would be from standing on one leg while four guys stack up to move your arm. <laughs> Yeah, not absolutely. your body. They're not allowed. To, they're not allowed to touch your chest or your back. Only your, your arm. Right. 
Yeah, well, I mean, you told her. I mean, the most important thing, especially for our listeners out there who do practice kind of thing. Look, it's not to to hurt the the art or the sport that you do. It's just to to get, to give you guys a different lens to look at things from sometimes. And um, you know that the Wing Chun gets a bad rap for not having a you know particularly rooted stance. Uh, of course, there are people who say, "No, my stance is really rooted." I mean, in the very traditional kind of Tai Chi esque uh, version of rooting. And um, but the the stance, at least to my understanding, and also going over the writings of uh, Grandmaster Yip Man in his interviews, doesn't seem to be the original idea behind the Wing Chun stance either. It tends to be a more flexible concept. By the way, speaking of Yip Man, did you ever finish watching IP Man Four? <laughs> I, I just can't do it. I just can't do it. <laughs> How dare you? How dare you? You're supposed to support the arts. <laughs> I well, I I know I can't do it. It's okay. I've Was Harry that, Potter. You, it was the number one movie this way. In Asia. I've, I've watched Harry Potter probably 25, 30 times. Wow. Because it's more realistic than Hitman 4. Because <laughs> you're, you're looking for realism in the films that you watch, right? And just the IP Man movie wasn't cutting it. You need that. Dudes uh, need flying that around on brooms to, to play a sport is so much more real than the bullshit that was in that movie. <laughs> <laughs> well, it didn't hurt the film at all. I mean, that movie was number one in Asia, did huge numbers. It was the biggest. Oh, I I'm think. sure. You know what? Yeah. I'm sure it's a good movie. I'm sure the actors did an amazing job. <laughs> I'm just talking about this. Well, no, I'm serious. I'm not knocking the actors. Like, you yes. know what I mean? I'm like, they were did great with what they had to work with. Like, I'm not, you know, people say like, oh, if you, if you, oh, the movie sucked. People think you're attacking the actors. I'm not attacking the actors. The actors are acting. They're, you know, they're doing the best they can with what they have in front of them. I'm just talking about the idea of just the nonsense, this whole idea of Yip Man going to America. It just, it's just going to lead to so many problems. I just know it. I just <laughs> Wait know 10 it. Years. In 10 years, you're going to oh. see. It. 10 years from now, you're right. It's going to be, oh, when, you know, when Yip Man came to America to see Bruce Lee at the 64 Invitational, um, you know, he ran into my instructor on a bus and he taught my instructor this one secret technique and, and they're going to believe it. Yeah, it, it reminds they're gonna me. believe it. This, uh, one, one last story here, which I actually told a, a long time ago, but I'll, I'll do a brief version of it. Uh, I, yeah, I once had a guy come into my school and claim that he had uh, learned and been certified in Jeet Kune Do by Bruce Lee in, the, in the Dominican Republic. And right. uh, and I remember just going like, oh, man, this dude is so off his freaking rocker, right? And first of all, the guy uh, was legitimately off his rocker, regardless of this Bruce Lee claim or not. Uh, you talked to this guy for five seconds, and you knew this already. But anyway, he left, and I'm like, this dude, like, how dare he say? First of all, Bruce Lee didn't really certify anybody. He just gave some certificates to some people. And then it's like, but some dude, you know, I'm looking at this guy. I'm like, what was he, eight years old? And right. Then I, uh, you know, I, I went up and I, I looked up, like, was Bruce Lee ever in the Dominican Republic? And lo and behold, he was in the Dominican Republic. He had gone there once with um, uh, Jun Ri, the father of American Taekwondo, who was a good friend of his. I guess Jun Ri was opening some schools in the Dominican Republic, and he wanted to bring his friend Bruce Lee, who was Green Hornet, to kind of uh, do some promotion for the uh, schools. Right, right, right. And so Bruce Lee came with him, and there are a bunch of photos there. And 
you start to wonder, first of all, he, what was he there for all of three days or something like that, right? Or let's say he was there even for a week or two weeks, right? Right. Um, so definitely not uh, enough time for some young child to become certified in Jeet Kune Do. But then you see there were a bunch of, because Bruce was at some karate schools, there were a bunch of young kids there and you know Cato is signing some photos for them and then you start to go like you know was he maybe a kid who went there he met Bruce Lee he got a signature sign Bruce Lee showed them a sidekick they all clapped or whatever and then the narrative over the years sure you know? right and exactly like, right yeah I saw Bruce Lee do a sidekick Bruce Lee taught me a sidekick that Bruce Lee and then you almost wonder it's like these kind of things tend to snowball it either the guy is completely delusional or the story did have a foundation in that maybe he did see Bruce in the Dominican Republic so you know how these things are but yeah yeah give it give it about 10 years and people will be claiming that their Sifu learned from Yip Man in San Francisco secretly when he was there uh you know fight see if his son could go to school in san francisco or something like that you know it's like ridiculous right oh i mean it's, it's just lunacy i mean we we all know people fuck me and you know a guy i'm not gonna say his name but we both know a guy who likes to tell a story that he learned kung fu from a guy who's washing dishes in the chinese restaurant on his block and you know it's just utterly fucking bullshit yeah and he tells this story like with a straight face like that he learned this whole system of Kung Fu and, you know, they never even knew his name because the guy didn't speak English and it's this whole, like, line of bullshit that he really fucking believes this shit in his head now. I think he's told the story so many times he fucking believes it. Yes. You know, and it's it's insane. Yes. It's yeah. it's literally insane. Yeah. And, and that's what the Yip Man 4 is going to do, which is let, add more to that, more, more insanity to the bullshit. Well, it's been about 10 years now since Grandmaster came out, so I'm surprised people don't say, did you know Grandmaster Yip Man was in love with a beautiful uh, um, Bagua practitioner who looked like Zhang Ziyi? <laughs> <laughs> All right, cool, guys. Well, hey, this was a lot of fun. Hope you had a good time, Sean. Yes, absolutely. Cool. Well, we'll do this again next week, and guys, stay tuned for our uh, um, you know special quarantine conversations that are going to be coming out, and obviously Patreon supporters get everything a few days before the rest of you guys. And we'll talk to you soon. And, and they get a lot more. They get a lot more, man. Oh, Patreon supporters get a lot more now. Yeah. All right, guys. See you soon, folks. Bye-bye. Take care. Thank you for listening to our latest episode. Please help us get the word out there by sharing this and other episodes on your favorite social media platforms. If you're enjoying the Dudes of Kung Fu podcast, there are many ways in which you can support it. Go to dudesofkungfu.com support to find out how you can help your favorite Kung Fu podcast. We are currently using Patreon to automate great benefits to those who support the podcast. As a supporter of the Dudes, you'll get early access to episodes, as well as a number of other benefits based on your donation level. This includes in-depth topic lectures and even monthly live video conferences with the Dudes. Again, go to dudesofkungfu.com support to find out more about that. As always, you can help support us in small ways as well. Give us a like at the Dudes of Kung Fu Facebook page and share links to episodes. If Twitter is your preferred social media outlet, you can follow the Dudes of Kung Fu there as well. Both Big Sean Madigan and yours truly are on Twitter too. Dudes of Kung Fu is now also on Instagram, so tag it along with the hashtag Dudes of Kung Fu whenever you post something related to the podcast. A great way to support the dudes is to rate and review it on either the iTunes or Android app stores. The written reviews are immensely more helpful than just giving us a five-star rating. If you have any suggestions for topics or guests, please write us at the Dudes of Kung Fu Facebook page. Please understand that neither Sean nor I can guarantee a response, but we will consider any serious suggestions. 
And finally, I ask that you help spread an open dialogue with other practitioners of martial arts. Chinese Kung Fu in particular has long since suffered from caustic political discourse, which can only change with you. Remember, the person you wholeheartedly disagree with doesn't love martial arts any less than you do. Take care, and thank you for supporting the Dudes of Kung Fu!